This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. Is indeed NBA Sound System L-I-V-E live. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty. We are smack down in the middle of the first round of the 2022 NBA playoffs. Scott, how you feeling, man? Colin, I, I feel like I've been humbled because we spent 20 to 30 minutes last week talking about why the Raptors are going to upset the 76ers sure. in the first round of the playoffs. And sure enough, the 76ers blow them out in the first two games. Look like this could potentially be a sweep. And who knows? Maybe the Raptors will turn this series around and still come out on top. I don't know if I'm, I'm feeling that confident right now. So, um, yeah, a little humbled. Other than that, great. Um, the first round has been very exciting. Lived up to the hype so far. So, a um, lot, lot, lot to be happy about. How about you? I'm okay. I, and, I, and I was going to get to this later, but since you, you, you brought it up, um, I'd like to issue an apology to the city of Philadelphia, to the franchise that is the Philadelphia 76ers, Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey. Uh, I apologize. Doc Rivers, I apologize. Um, I was pretty smug, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I felt that the Raptors would, would finish this team in six games. Um, and I wouldn't have been shocked if it was less than that. I was very confident that we would see an upset. Now, no one could have seen Scotty Barnes getting his ankle stepped on and, and potentially being out for the rest of the series. Who knows if he plays uh, with the series going back to Toronto. I, I do think that Toronto could get a game, um, but it's going to take a miracle. The way that Philly has been playing, they, they've just been the better team by far. And Joel Embiid has clearly been the best player in this series. He he's been Scott. He's been the best player, the second best player, and the third best player in this series. Um, and it, it hasn't really even been close. And when he plays like this, I don't know if there's a team in the Eastern Conference not named the Milwaukee Bucks that could handle them in a seven game series. Yeah, he's just been dominant, especially in that game too. It, it felt like the Raptors kind of came in. Wanted to be more physical with him, and he just took it to them, um, whatever they threw at him, and he went to the free throw line a ton. Um, The Raptors just have no one physically who can match up with him. And we we knew that going into this series, but I still kind of like the way that in the past they've been able to frustrate Joel Embiid a little bit. Like They're very good at, at rotating, throwing a second guy, timely double and triple teams at him, making him a passer. Um, but but it, he just feels... Right now, through the first two games, he's felt very comfortable against them. Um, it, it's very clear that they don't have the size. Like There were a couple times in game two where it felt like he, he caught the ball around the basket and he just went up immediately, almost as if he knew like no one would be able to even touch him at the summit. Um, and he just laid the ball in. Like he, he, he does just look like it on a completely different level than everyone else right now. But hey, we, I, I don't know if I feel like, I, I don't know if you can get away with saying he's been the, the first, second, and third best player in this series. Tyrese Maxey's been incredible for them. Um, you know, James Harden, not the scorer, um, hasn't been the scorer that we know him uh, to be, but he's been a great passer. And Tobias Harris has played very well. Um, and we've talked about him quite a bit on this podcast over the last, well, since the trade went through, really, and how difficult of a situation he is and how it's been hard for him to kind of find his footing. But he, he does seem very comfortable as well right now. And if he can continue to play at the level he has through two games, 
I mean, that's going to help the Sixers a ton, um, especially in the second round series, potentially against the Heat if they make it out. And so so does Miami. So I said all of that, and I'm about to say this, Scott, which may or may not shock you. Uh, And again, I did not want to start with the Sixers series, but you brought me here. Game three goes down. We're we're, uh, talking to you on Wednesday. The game three goes down on Wednesday. If you're listening to this after, you may already know the result. But I think game three is a must win for the Sixers, not the Raptors. And maybe not the Sixers whole team, but James Harden specifically. He has been below average in the first two games of the series. But it hasn't mattered because his team has won and they've won comfortably. Uh, Harden's averaging 18 points. Yes, he's, he's dishing out 10 assists. He's shooting under 40. He's shooting under 35% from the field, Scott. Like that's that's not mm-hmm. good at all. Um, it would be a career low for him in the play in the playoffs uh, if this continues, uh, and it might very well be a career low for him um, overall. You know, in, in, in the regular season as well. Um, it hasn't been pretty for Harden. He looks a step slow, or or like I said, um, you know, he, he just is this speed now. He doesn't have that short, quick burst that he used to have. And I think if they lose game three and he goes out and has a another subpar performance, again, by his standards, in game three and the Raptors are all of a sudden back in the series, that spotlight is going to be shining brightly on James Harden heading into game four, and he's going to have to respond. And history shows that when James Harden is asked to respond in a playoff series, it really hasn't gone his way. So... For the sake of James Harden, this is, in my opinion, a must-win game three for the Sixers. And I know I'm saying this for a team that is up 2 nothing, that have they, they feel like they haven't even broken a sweat in the series. But you don't want to open the door for Toronto to get back in the series. And that, that crowd that hasn't seen a playoff game, Scott, since the 2019 NBA Finals, that crowd is going to be fired up, red hot, and ready to go. Harden better be ready to go, go in game three. It will be very interesting to see the defensive scheme that the Raptors have in Game 3 and really the rest of this series because um, they've had no answer for Joel Embiid. You know, how will they respond to that? Tyrese Maxey's been carving them up. Um, but James Harden, to your point, hasn't looked great as a scorer. He, he's shooting 45.5% from three, but inside the arc, which has kind of been the case all season long, he, he has struggled to finish. Um, but they've still been collapsing and he's still been able to find three-point shooters. So as crazy as it is to say... Should the Raptors turn Harden into a scorer, considering the player that we're talking about? He is one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. He's a guy who, as of like two or three seasons ago, felt like was putting up 40 points on a nightly basis. Um, At this stage of his career on this team, I do wonder if they kind of try and get him to have more of a score-first mentality um, and really test, you know, his ability to finish around the rim against the, the these long athletic defenders that the Raptors have. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not feeling great about this series for the Raptors. Um, I did think they were going to win this series, but Game 3 is going to be very interesting. And we've seen in the past how, you know, all it takes sometimes is one game to kind of a team to gain momentum or for a game to kind of be flipped, a series to be flipped on its head. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I still think the Sixers win this series. I just think that James Harden has been sneaking by by this with this subpar play. And if he wants to keep his name out of the headlines, he's going to have to perform. And game three, you can't lose game three playing the way he's been playing uh, in the series. 34.6% from the field. I know he's shooting fine from three. That's that's not enough for me. I'm sorry. And yes, he was one of the greatest scorers of all time. He's not, he's not that guy anymore. I'm sorry. Uh, all right. 
I didn't want to start with that, but we went there. I wanted to start with this. Um, Devin Booker is, uh, you know, played game two and pulled up lame in game two with a hamstring injury, uh, which forced him to sit out the fourth quarter. And the Pelicans steal one on the road against the team that many believe will be in the finals, uh, the Phoenix Suns. That series is now tied at one. We saw CJ McCollum and, and, and Brandon Ingram really catch fire in Phoenix, and it, it was a great win for the Pelicans. Now, that aside, I don't, I don't really want to talk about the game. I want to talk about the impact on Booker or Booker's injuries impact on on not only the Suns, but the rest of the Western Conference here, Scott, because this is huge. There is There are teams here in the playoffs, Scott, that are trying to be the first to four, and there are teams here in the playoffs that are trying to be the first to 16. And the Phoenix Suns are one of those teams that are trying to be the first to 16. And having Devin Booker out for any sort of time doesn't help that. Um, where where do you sit back and, and, and when you assess what's what's going on with this Phoenix Suns team? First of all, I assume that you believe that they're going to get past the Pelicans, but then what? Look, I, I think at a very simple level, we're talking about one of the best players in the NBA. Booker is going to make an all-NBA team this season, perhaps even first team. He's having the best season of his career, um, putting up you know close to 30 points on a nightly basis, super efficient. He's grown as a passer, grown as a defender. If you look at the on-off numbers, the, the Suns actually still have a positive net rating this season when Booker is on the bench, um, which is encouraging. But with him on the court, they, they perform like the best offensive team by a mile um, in the league while still being a top four defense. Um, I mean, the, their record speaks for itself. You know, the, the, the Suns ran away with the best record in the league this season and they just dominated teams, especially in the clutch. And, and Booker was a huge part of that. Him and Chris Paul um, are just surgical at the end of games. And it feels like they, 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 they live for those moments and they can kind of get any shot that they want. The good news for the, the the Suns in this situation is we will see if Devin Booker misses any time and how long he misses if he does. But, you know, that they, they do have some experience not having him out there this season. He missed seven straight games in December with a left hamstring strain. They went five and two in that stretch. Granted, they didn't beat the best teams. They beat the Pistons, the Spurs, the Celtics. And that was before the Celtics were the Celtics that we know them right now. Um, the Trailblazers and the Wizards, and they lost to the Warriors and the Clippers. But, you know, 5-2 and two without him during that stretch is still very impressive. And then he missed four straight games in March when he was in health and safety protocols. The Suns were also without Chris Paul during those games, and they still managed to go 3-1. and one. Their, their, their one loss was against the Bucks. So I think, you know, in, in this series, they... they uh, the Pelicans are tough, man. Like it, it, it is funny to say that for a team that was what like ten games under five hundred, I think it was. Um, not ten games under five hundred, but but they, they were thirty six and forty six on the season. They got off to a really slow start, but they they really did find their stride at the end of the season. CJ McCollum has been a great addition to them. Brandon Ingram had a huge game too. Herbert Jones, um, just an, just you know wrecking everything defensively like this is not going to be an easy series i feel like if booker does miss time i still have the suns winning the suns are absolutely fantastic even without him um but yeah this i i mean losing game two you know now they got to steal one in new orleans um it, it's Which, just i mean it, if you were expecting them to sweep isn't a surprise to you right like they they were right if if, if they're healthy you're expecting this team to sweep, if not gentlemen sweep. So you're expecting them to win at least one there. So I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. 
even without Booker. Right, but even like beyond this series, it's interesting because in the second round, they would play either a Mavericks team where Luka Doncic has missed two games with an injury sure. and we still don't know when he will return, so what will they look like? And a Jazz team that, I mean, I, I don't know how to put this, the right way to put this, Colin, but it, it's been messy. <laughs> you know, like that, that game well, one victory wasn't pretty. Let's get to that. Let's get okay. to that because we we can we can uh, both agree that I don't think uh, w- neither of us are afraid of the Suns making it out of the first round with or without Booker. Hopefully, he gets back sooner rather than later and gets closer to the All Star version, All NBA version of Devin Booker that we all know and love, and he stays healthy for the remainder of the playoffs. Where, as you said, it gets tricky is going forward here. So there are teams standing going to be standing in their way. Uh, you named both of them, uh, the Dallas Mavericks or the Utah Jazz. Whoever gets out of that series, in my opinion, is still going to be the Utah Jazz. But there are a lot of people who are unimpressed with what they've seen out of the Utah Jazz thus far. And I think you're one of them. I mean, look, that the, the game one victory wasn't like a huge stamp of confidence. Um, granted, they now have home court advantage. You win one in Dallas, that's success, I feel like, generally speaking. But the way that game two ended for them, it, it just feels like it's the same old thing with them. You know what I mean? Like Dallas plays five out with Maxi Kleber. Um, Jalen Brunson is just torching anyone who's standing in his way. And then it got to a point where Rudy Gobert has to rotate over because Jalen Brunson is getting floater after floater after layup um, on his way to, I think it was 42 points, a career high. And then he's just dishing out to, to Maxi Kleber for a wide open three. Um, and no one's rotating over to kind of help go bad. And it's, it's the same song and dance that we saw last year against the Clippers. Um, the offensive stuff with them, um, it just, it, it feels, it feels weird at times. Like go bad. I think we, we talked about this in our meeting this morning. He's taken what? Six shots through two games total. and, and go total, total. Sorry. Yes. Total through two games and go is not a scorer. We all know that, but it's weird when we're talking about what a seven foot one center, um in today's nba where there's a bunch of switches and he's a great offensive rebounder that like only six through two games it's just so weird so i i I just i I don't i don't feel very comfortable or confident in this jazz team right now and look they were the best team in the league last season during the regular season and they're the same team as they were then um donovan mitchell went up a level offensively this season i thought gobert is still an absolute monster defensively Mike Conley doesn't look quite the same, um, but like all, all the pieces are still kind of there and they're healthy. So I think like that's very encouraging for them. Um, it's just weird to me that like they split 1-1 against this Mavericks team without Luka Doncic. It feels like they lost something on the table, especially if Luka can, can come back in game three because I mean see, th- this team is only going to be more difficult, obviously. See, I agree with most people that are killing the Jazz right now, saying that they aren't a team that's going to win the championship as currently constructed. I totally agree with that. Um, the way that they're playing doesn't f- make you feel like this is a championship team. I-, I do feel like maybe they let one slip in game two. But when you take a step back, and it's hard to do that in the playoffs because every game is so intense, every possession is so intense. But when you take a step back, and if you had said before this series started, even knowing that Luka Doncic was going to miss the first two games, that Utah would go on the road and split, that would be considered a success by many. Um, you know, just because Luka Doncic is not playing, I did not expect the Utah Jazz to sweep the Dallas Mavericks. Like that's that's a ridiculous thing to say for a team that finished fourth 
in the Western Conference. Yes, Luka Doncic is a big part of the team. They finished fourth in the Western Conference. They have other players that can play. Jalen Brunson was one of them. Uh, he, he showed up with a big 40-burger, a career high for him. And you know they're not just going to roll over just because their best player isn't available. They still have to go out and play. That crowd was on fire, absolutely on fire. Uh, you know, Maxi Kleba turns into uh, the second coming of Ray Allen in you know in, in that game too. He was knocking down every single three he took, and it, it wasn't even touching rim. Like it was just going splash. He looked incredible in that second half. And anytime you have a team that is able to make 22 threes in a game, it's going to be tough to beat them. I'm sorry, whoever's on, you know, sometimes you just lose to math. And I feel like the Utah Jazz on Monday night lost to math as much as they lost to the Dallas Mavericks. 22 three-pointers on 47% from three-point range. What are you supposed to do against that? There's, There's really not much you can do when a team is shooting that well from deep and, and Utah only lost by six points. Not like they got blown out. It, it, it's not like they got blown out at all. And, and I, I think we're overreacting uh, to the, 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 the Monday loss. The series is tied at one. They lost a road game in game two to a team that shot the lights out. And they're going back home with a series split. The, the series could still end in five. Like this series could end in five in favor of Utah. And and I, I just feel like a week from now, if that is the case, people will look insane for saying that they they dropped the ball in a, in a game two where three of the the, the 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 Mavericks played out of their minds on on in game two had the best games of their lives in game two. Sometimes you, you, some of that stuff you just don't overcome. Now I agree with you. We need more from Rudy Gobert. We absolutely need more from Rudy Gobert. We need more. We need better defense all around from the entire team, not just Rudy Gobert. But the perimeter defense is absolutely a joke. Donovan Mitchell is a guy who came into this league with a high bar on the defensive end in the floor, and it feels like he's he's gone the complete other way. He hasn't gotten better at all. He's actually gotten worse defensively in the playoffs. You're supposed to lock in defensively, and and he's not doing that. And you know he needs to be you know held accountable for that. Gobert could be much better offensively. I don't care if he has not one post move. At least pretend like you have some competency when you go down on the block and a guy's six inches smaller than you. You could you could turn and, 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 and give us some jump hook, something. At least force a foul, something. Get to the line. Six shots is not good enough for an all-star of Rudy Gobert's caliber. He, he can't be on the all-star team three years in a row and come into a playoff series in the first two games to take six total shots. It's embarrassing. So I agree with that, but I'm not going to kill the Utah Jazz completely for for having a tied series going back home when they're the lower seed, and I get Luka Doncic is not playing and everything else, but the Mavericks absolutely played out of their mind. It's not like the, the Jazz gave that game away. They The Mavericks had to beat them. They did. And now the series is tied at one, at, you know, and Utah's going back home. It's not, it's not a lost cause for me. See, I, I don't know. If you told me that Luka was going to miss the first two games of the series and the Jazz would split it, I don't know if I would have felt great about it. Like, we are talking about one of the most heliocentric teams in the league. Luka Doncic is the Dallas Mavericks. The entire offense is revolved around him. And I'm not discrediting anyone else on that team. Like, Jalen Brunson is going to get paid. 
this this offseason. He, he is great. Spencer Dinwiddie was a big pickup for them, and he's been a different player since joining that team. I, I love Maxi Kleber. Dwight Powell um, quietly has had a fantastic bounce back from an Achilles injury, which was long thought to be like the worst injury an NBA player could suffer, especially someone who, you know, rim runs like he does and plays kind of around and above the rim. So I, I just, I don't know if I feel great about that, especially considering that the Jazz are at full strength. But to counter what you were saying, yes, the Mavs made 22 threes in game two. That is a franchise best for the postseason. Do you want to know how many of those made threes were uncontested? Too many. 17. That is the most yeah, by any team in the last 10, se- 10 postseasons. ESPN's Tim McMahon um, tweeted that after the game. Like that, that to me speaks to a lot of kind of what I was getting at. Like the, the way that they lost this game it feels like the same old story with this team. Like the, the the Mavs beat them in game two the same way that the Clippers did last year, kind of playing five out, um, taking advantage of kind of their porous perimeter defense a lot of the times, and then just getting Rudy Gobert in rotation because he's their only rim protector on the team. And then it's one kick out and then not making the, the backline rotations that they need to do to kind of cover for him. Um, I, look, to your point, maybe they win this series in five still. Um, and maybe they get they get a Phoenix Suns team in the second round that doesn't have Chris Paul, and suddenly we're talking about oh sorry Devin Booker, and we're talking about this team completely differently. But I, I just feel like through two games of this series, I, I just I still don't feel great. I guess about whether the Jazz are. I'm fine with it. I, I'm fine with the Utah Jazz where they are. I agree that they are. There are some tweaks to make, but I, I think we're overreacting to just one game. Uh, and I know that your your our memories are long in a sense that we remember the way that the Clippers dismantled the Jazz last season. But I, I want to see this play out. If they go down 2-1, uh, losing a home game, that's a different story to me. But they lost on the road against a team that had to shoot a franchise-high uh, amount of three-pointers. And they only lost by six games. And, they, and, and you can sit here and I can sit here and say that the Jazz could get better. I don't know if I could sit here and say that the Mavs could play much better without Luka Doncic, right? Like, they just played their best game without Luka Doncic. So, unless Luka comes back into the series, which still is an unknown. Like, there's no guarantee that he comes back. And when he does come back, there's still no guarantee that he's going to look like the Luka Doncic we expect him to be. I know he's played other playoff games where he's had injuries and he's he's gone for 40 and looked terrific. But... Injuries are injuries, and you know I don't I don't care who you are, you, you still have to take it into account for them. And if he's coming back, if he didn't play the first two games, it means to me this injury is a little bit more serious than I think we initially thought, right? Like I I did not expect him to miss a playoff game, especially the fact knowing the fact that he played hurt the last two playoff series he had been in. So for him to actually sit out the, the last two games, uh, I I was actually pretty shocked by it. So um, I'm not expecting him to come back and 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 be as dominant as he was. Um, you know, when he's healthy. Uh, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of drop-off there. And knowing that, I, I still have the Jazz winning this in short er- short order. I, I don't think this, this series goes by beyond six games. And I picked the six-game series for Utah with a healthy Luka. So, you know, I, I um, you know, st- still, you know, holding on hope that the uh, the Jazz could figure it out. Sometimes you you lose games. Um, all right. Is there is there a team that you're shocked by their performance in the first round here? Uh, we just went a little bit on the Jazz. Is there another team out there that you're shocked by? Look, uh, we talked a, bit, uh, a little bit about the 76ers at the top. I, I've been super surprised by how well they've started um, 
through two games against the Raptors. I mean, they were the number four seed. They flirted with the, the best record in the Eastern Conference for a while. They have a finalist for MVP in Joel Embiid, but I, I still think that they've just they, they've come out of the gate so hot, so that they deserve mention. Um, I, I don't know if I'd say I'm surprised, but the Warriors, I mean, it's hard not to be impressed with how they've looked through two games against, yes, a Nuggets team that's down, it's second and third best player, but they've just been uh, so dominant on both ends of the court. And, and it's been a really weird season for the Warriors. Um, you know, Clay Thompson was out at the start of the year, coming back from the injuries that he's had. Um, the three of them playing Clay Thompson's first game, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson, but Green leaves after, what, seven seconds because he's injured? And then right. he misses an extended amount of time. And then when he comes back, the game after that, Steph Curry gets injured and misses the rest of the regular season. So we really haven't seen this core together all season long. But it hasn't mattered. Like, Jordan right. Poole has been absolutely incredible through two games. Um, Steph Curry has come off the bench, which I think is just... It, it's unbelievable, right? Like, I, I feel like not enough is made of the fact that Steph Curry, who was the front runner for MVP through, like, 30 games this season, is going to make an All-NBA team, is still one of the, arguably, the best point guard in the league, is coming off the bench, coming off of an injury, basically so Jordan Poole can continue to start. Um, and, and obviously, he's in a rhythm right now. And, like, I, I just don't know if there's another player in the league who would do that, quite frankly. Um, and it's just another example of, of Steph Curry, his greatness, because he still had a huge impact off of the bench, um, he, you know, in both those games. So th this team is just is just so good, so locked in when they're healthy. There was actually one sequence in game one that really jumped out to me. And Jokic was guarding Draymond Green. And Draymond Green, Jokic was giving him space, and Draymond Green was basically just playing quarterback. Like, he, he's he's pushing the ball up the court, finding open players. They're, they're doing all their warrior stuff, right? And then they switch Jokic off of him. And now Will Barton's guarding Draymond Green. And the first thing Draymond does is goes to the post, gets the ball, and they run their split-cut action um, because Jokic is guarding Andre Iguodala. And Iguodala just sets a screen for Steph Curry. He pops to the three, gets fouled. That's three free throws. Um, they just punish you every single time down the court. And Jokic, as good as he is and as much as he's improved defensively, they are just attacking him in every way that they can. Um, I, 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 it's just I've been so impressed by them through two games. And, and really, you know, we talked about the, the Suns and the Devin Book injury. We'll see what happens there. Um, but, I mean, it's this, this Warriors team should make the conference finals with the rate that they're going. And I don't think it's out the realm of possibility that they're, they're representing the West in the finals. All right. So if you had to guess right now, um, and we'll probably do this every pod going forward, we have Warriors, Suns, everyone's healthy. What's your prediction, knowing what you know right now, seeing how both teams have played so far this playoff through two games? Look, if we're basing this just off of the two games, it's it, I, I feel like it's the Warriors. Like, Steph Curry looks okay. great. Draymond Green's been awesome on both ends. Jordan Poole's playing out of his mind. Klay Thompson has had his moments. Um, the, the Suns, that game two was just a little weird for them. And by the way, we should go back a little bit. That game one, the way that Chris Paul closed it in the fourth quarter when the Pelicans looked like they were going to make a run, like, so Terrific. much is made about how LeBron James has defied father time, and rightly so. But the fact that Chris Paul is still doing the things that he's doing at this stage of his career as an undersized point guard who it feels like has had so many injuries where we're just like, oh, this like have we seen the last of all-star Chris Paul um, should not be understated. Like It's absolutely incredible. But I, I think right now, based off of, as you said, through two games of the playoffs, 
the, the, the Warriors have just been so impressive. Healthy, everyone healthy. I have the Suns still in six, if that's the series that we get in the Western Conference Finals. Um, this series that uh, between the Nets and the Celtics, which resumes on Wednesday, feels like it should be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, that was a terrific game one. Um, came right down to the buzzer, uh, where Jason Tatum was able to lay it in as the horn was going. Um, but everyone has the question about the way that that game played out because it looked like Boston was comfortable in that game. All of a sudden, Kyrie Irving turns it on and gets Brooklyn back in it. It's a game one on the road. They feel like they're about to steal one, and they blow it at the last second. Does it feel like the Nets blew game one in this series? It's funny you say that, by the way, that this is kind of like an Eastern Conference Finals uh, series because the next round could be as well. It could be the Bucks against either the Celtics or the Nets, uh, which will be great right. as well. Look, I... <laughs> The, yeah, I mean, I, I wrote about this. Um, I did a breakdown on Jason Tatum's uh, game winner, kind of the, the defensive possession before that, which was absolutely incredible by the Celtics. Um, throwing a double team at Kyrie Irving, getting the ball out of his hands, and then Tatum going one-on-one um, and, and forcing Durant into a tough shot. And then the defensive collapse that the Nets had, losing sight of him, cutting back door. Like, the, this is that's. I feel like that was one of those games, one of those moments Um that like really can be the difference in a series if it goes to six or seven games and we go back to game one and that's kind of the the, the first thing that comes to mind in saying that we're talking about a Nets team that yes they've had a weird season they've been very up and down um they had a huge trade that changed the makeup of this team they still have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant we saw what Kyrie Irving can do in um a pretty hostile environment in, in game one going for, what, 39 points and just taking over in the fourth quarter and doing... It was a vintage Kyrie performance. And KD didn't have a good game. Like, he, it, it was a very... It was an off night for him. And I think it's safe to assume that he's going to be better moving forward. <laughs> like, we know what Kevin Durant is capable of. Um, yes, the Celtics are unbelievable defensively and can throw a ton of sides at him. But Kevin Durant is just one of those guys that he figures it out. Um, and there's nothing really you can do against him. So... I, I do feel like, again, this is one of those those moments that could change a series. You lose Jason Tatum on a backdoor cut in a game you could have won. Um, and even before that, you know, give, giving a layup to, to Jalen Brown uh, to make it a one-point a one game, I think it was. But um, I, I, this Nets team is just tough. Um, they really are. And if there's two guys two guys who I don't think are going to be too concerned about going down 0-1, 0-2, um, KD and Kyrie are on that list. So... Um, I, I am kind of hoping this series goes to six or seven games, though, because based on the first one, it's it's going to be an absolute classic. And it will. I mean, it will. Barring like a tragic injury, it's it's, it's going to go to six or seven games. And I, I feel the same way I felt about the Utah series. Like, yes, they you know the, the Utah went to Dallas hoping for a split. They got their split. Um, and the Nets still have a chance uh, at the time of you know speaking to you right now to get their split. And even if they, as you said, they go down 0-2, um, the famous line is a series doesn't start until you lose a home game. And they they, I, they don't have the best home court advantage. I will say that Brooklyn's crowd has been, you know, dreadful at times. They, they It sounds like, you know, I, I don't know. I've heard more noise, um, you know, coming out of, uh, you know, a meeting room in our office than I have at, wow. at Barclays Center at times. Uh, they, they just don't they don't they don't bring it. And there's going to be a lot of Celtics fans that make that trip. And probably a lot of Celtics fans that just live in that area, in the tri-state area, that will you know come over uh, green. I, I, and, and and it might feel like it's a 50-50 split crowd, which the Nets are going to have to overcome. That's just part of the deal here. 
um, when you're playing one of the big brands like Boston and, and your team, your your crowd isn't as, uh, as strong as it should be. So um, I feel like the Celtics will feel comfortable in Barclays Center, but at the end of the day, it's still home court for the Brooklyn Nets. And at worst, um, you know, they could leave, in my opinion, at worst, we'll, we'll go to game five tied at two. If you're if you're the Nets, um, I, I do think that they are they're going to find a way to either tie the series up in Boston or, or, or do that at home. I, I can't see them going back to game to a game five down three one. So I, I, I'm not going to panic if you're Brooklyn. Uh, it is it, it, there are positives to take away from that game one, showing the fact that you can explode offensively. Um, Kyrie Irving, I thought, was quite selfish in the way that he closed that game. He clearly wanted to hit that dagger shot. Um, you know, in the final possession there, uh, and it was doubled and doubled in, 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 and could not, you know, find any daylight. And by the time he gave up the rock, there was not much Kevin Durant or anyone could do with it. And had he moved the ball a lot earlier than that, I, th- I think the Nets could have got a better shot. He may have even got it back in a better position, but he just didn't. He, w- he was being selfish in that area. And I think he'll, he'll look at that and learn from that mistake. And, you know, if he's in a situation like that again, maybe he trusts his teammates a little bit more. So, he, he he definitely played with a chip on his shoulder uh, on Sunday. And I, I think as this series goes on and the more games we see being played in Boston, he's going to continue to play with that chip on the shoulder. But I don't think he'll play as personal as he did on Monday. That, that felt like a personal game for Kyrie Irving. I think he has to get back to the team game uh, for the Nets. And as you said, Kevin Durant could play a lot better than what he did. Uh, on Sunday, so I, I do. Have, I still have the Nets. I still have the Nets winning the series. I think I had the Nets in seven, but the Celtics are tough, man. They're they're a really, really, really good team. And everyone's yeah. talking about how Ben Simmons uh, could come in, come back and play. I said on this podcast two weeks ago that I don't think he will. Uh, I, as we're talking right now, um, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, tweeted that you know Ben Simmons is still on path to make his debut next Monday, which would be Game Four. Uh, I believe it when I see it. But what people aren't talking about is that Robert Williams could also make his return at some point in these playoffs for the Boston Celtics and what a return that would be for this team. So um, Celtics have their own, you know, joker card in their deck that they could they could bring out. I haven't heard much uh, of the Robert Williams, uh, you know, injury updates lately, but when he was initially out, they said that, you know, if he was going to come back, it would be around that, you know, second round ish. Um, you know, window, and maybe if they get it at Game Seven, maybe maybe he has that opportunity to come back onto the floor. Yeah, I mean, he was such a huge part of what made this the Celtics team just the best defensive team in the league. Um, kind of in that second half of the season. I mean, they finished the season with the best defensive rating, but it, the last fifty games they were just unstoppable um, in that regard. And I, I do think, obviously, he would be big in this series because he does have the versatility to kind of defend the perimeter, but he's an awesome rim protector and shot blocker. I do think if the Celtics make it out of the first round that he's even more important for that second round series against potentially the Bucks because we know Giannis lives in the paint, the amount of pressure that he puts on teams. Um, to having another seven-footer there who can protect the rim, make things difficult for him um, while still being able to kind of rotate and defend the perimeter. I, I think he he's kind of like that X factor in that series. So, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely he would help having them <laughs> as soon as possible in this series, but I do think that's more important in the second round. Uh, quickly before we get out of here, I just want to touch base on the Memphis Minnesota series because I think that's the most entertaining series for me, Scott. For me, mm-hmm. uh, I I am locked into that series more than any of them. Uh, game three comes up on Thursday. I think the Memphis Grizzlies. This is a series is going to have 
momentum shifting back and forth. I thought Minnesota came out you know, with all the intensity in the world on Saturday in game one and, and walked away with a, a comfortable victory on the road and really sent a message to the Grizzlies like, hey, we're here and we mean business. But I felt like they gave that away a little bit in game two, momentum that is, where you know the way they lost game two, and yes, it was a blowout, but the way they lost game two made me feel like they took their foot off the gas pedal a little bit, um, as if they already had their one win in their back pocket and they were going back home to play uh, you know, game three in front of their crowd, game three and four in front of their crowd. And I just don't think you can win a playoff series with that mentality. It's different than... You know, losing because, you know, schemes wrong or the team's just on fire, which Memphis was for the majority of that game. But I just felt like the intensity level wasn't there the the same way it was in game one. Patrick Beverly wasn't barking. Anthony Edwards was settling for a ton of shots on the perimeter. Uh, You know, Carl Towns wasn't the same aggressive Carl Towns for the entirety of the game as he was in game one. There were stretches where he got going in that first half, but then... Once, you know, the Grizzlies started punching back, you sort of saw Memphis kind of, or sorry, the the Timberwolves start of, you know, take a step back and be like, okay, you know, we'll let you guys have this one. We're we're going back to the crib uh, for game three. And I think that's just dangerous. When you're playing a team in in that you aren't better than, I don't think you can afford to take those time, that time off uh, in, in a series. And I think the Timberwolves did that. And this is another series that I expect to go at least six or seven. But I do think that Memphis now has regained the edge and the pressure, even though Minnesota's going back home to play in front of their crowd, the pressure is actually on Minnesota, in my opinion, in this one, because they don't want to give back home court advantage to the Grizzlies. And I fear that that's what's going to happen now. Wait, so so we're, we're giving a pass to the Utah Jazz for splitting that series with the, well, the, the Dallas well, the Mavericks? Jazz, the Jazz are the better team, right? That I picked the Jazz with Luka Doncic. Uh, a healthy Luka Doncic, before we found out he was hurt and he wasn't going to play the two games, I picked the Jazz to win the series. I, I did. I, I had them in six. And that doesn't change with, with Doncic out, obviously. I, I still expect the Jazz to win the series. So not much has changed for me. The, the Timberwolves, the way they played game one, it had me thinking, hmm, because I, I, I picked the Grizzlies, and I think a lot of people picked the Grizzlies to get out of the series. But the way they played game one, Scott, had me thinking that they could pull off the upset and they could be the Atlanta Hawks that we saw a year ago. But the consistency was not there in game two. The game two, they took their foot off the gas pedal, and they're going to have to ratchet back that intensity back up. So it's it's a little bit different for me because the Jazz, the Jazz are, you know, the Jazz are a team where they're they're expected to win the series. I don't think many people are picking the Grizz, the Timberwolves to win that series or were picking the Timberwolves to win that series before it started. Okay. I, I feel like I saw more people picking Dallas, um, even with Luka's availability up in the air. But that, that, that's fine. Um, I, I do think game one, like you're right, the Timberwolves did very much set the tone. Um, but I also think there's something to be said that, you know, the Grizzlies had a week off between the regular season and that game one. And the Timberwolves had a big playing game. And I feel like they did have more momentum going into that. So we, we've kind of seen this before, I feel like, over the last couple of years um, with the introduction of the play-in. That like that extended break, it, it can take a game um, or even two for kind of the, the, the team that wasn't in that to, to find that groove again. And, and the Grizzlies did look much more like themselves in that game too. So look... Game one was incredible. Um, these two teams, they're super young. They have great young talent. When you look at John Moran, Anthony Edwards, Cat, um, you know, it feels like he's been around for a while, but he, he's still young. Um, 
like this is just a great series kind of looking at the future of the nba both these teams play hard um they get after it on both ends of the court so this is another one where like i i, I think i actually picked the grizzlies in five in this one which i may not have given a, enough thought <laughs> to be fair to the to the timberwolves because they've sure. i mean they've been great in the second half um of the regular season we saw what they did in that playing game um they do have a ton of talent offensively they've been one of the best teams in the league all season long i think they actually had the best offense in the league um, following the all-star break so um i probably didn't give them enough credit there but i i i just the grizzlies were great all season long they surpassed expectations john morant has been incredible they also won a ton without john morant which i think is a testament to kind of this team's depth um, and the way that they play off of each other and obviously the the coaching job that Taylor Jenkins has done and he's a, a finalist for coach of the year. So um, yeah, this has been a really fun series. I, I think this one is probably going to be potentially what I thought Raptors and Sixers was going to be like these two teams just going back and forth, heavy hitters, going six or seven games. Um, I, I still have the Grizzlies coming out on top, but it, it, this does feel like it could go the distance. Yeah, I think it I think it will. Um but maybe not the distance, but I, it is going to go six or seven. Uh, hey, NBA, stop putting this this series on NBA TV. Don't do that again. Don't do that. This is the best series. This is the best series there is right now, in my opinion. It's most competitive. You know, put the put the Heat the Hawks on uh, NBA TV. No one wants to see that. I'm sorry. That's good. That's no one wants to see Jimmy Butler go for 45. Yeah, but it, it's going to be a gentleman sweep. You know that 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 series is 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 over. They, can you honestly sit here and say, barring a, a major catastrophe for the Miami Heat, that the Hawks are going to win more than two games in that series? No, they're they're, they're out of here. You know they had a great series season, great run last year in the playoffs, but it's over. Give me the Hawks. Give me the uh, sorry, the, the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. I don't want to see that on NBA TV. Put it on TNT or ESPN. I'm with you. Miami. That that and uh, Nets Celtics, but we all knew from the start that Nets Celtics there was never never going to be any chance that that game was going to be on NBA TV. So listen, if the NBA could put that series on both TNT and ESPN at the same time, they would. <laughs> <laughs> no question about it. No question about it. All right, we we, we got to get out of here. We'll uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. A reminder: if you missed any part of the show, you can find us wherever you get your podcast. Type in NBA Sound System uh, for Scott Rafferty. I'm Carlin Gay. Enjoy the games, and we'll see you next week right here on NBA Sound System. We'll be right back.